0: Okay, let's dedicate our class tonight to the new Chasson Kala, Mr. Rabbi Mrs. Uh, Raziel Cohen. Okay. Sometimes something happens to you that reminds you that you have a unique mission in the world. Sometimes it's uh, obvious, sometimes something crazy happens and you may think like, whoa. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've gone to too many dentists all over the world, in Brazil, Mexico, in Miami, in Australia, and in Los Angeles, I'm under the uh, great expert care of Dr. Mark Schlosser, he's a fantastic dentist. So there's something that even he couldn't do, he sent me to an even greater dentist, probably one of the best dentists in Los Angeles. And this dentist did a fantastic job, it was very, very painful, he put in seven... (laughs) He put in seven doses of Novocaine, and Baruch Hashem was still incredibly painful, more than anything else I've experienced by far. And then today I got a call from the dentist. Today I got a call from the dentist. And then the dentist says, Oh, I have to, since st- never happened to me before, in all my years of dentistry, it's never happened to me before, I did a miracle of God, I did the wrong tooth. Oh! <laughs> the wrong the r- yeah. It was the wrong tooth. Oh. The x rays, I don't know what I was thinking. I- anyway, so. I'm not really sure it was the wrong tooth. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's a few million in, in it. It's amazing. Oh, it's right, so they have, they have mortgage <laughs> are guys. Can, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but the biggest miracle <laughs> is that the pain went away. So it could be that the, the wrong tooth, tooth was actually the right tooth. Uh-huh. Because the, t- the t- pain did go away. So... The point is... a lot of calls <laughs> <for eternity though. laughs> Okay. So... So... Uh, Rav Zev is saying that I should, I should open a lawsuit. I shouldn't open a lawsuit. The truth is, is that the Torah. Should put the hair connection there. The sign the off. The truth is that um, we're used to this expression in America: "Your body belongs to you. You can do whatever you want with your body," and that's also human logic. But. Uh, the government says that you, you have the right to your body. So, so what about inflicting pain upon your body? Do you have the right to hurt your body? Is it okay to decide to cause pain to your body? Are you allowed? Thank you. Can you tell somebody, I don't mind. Like you know, in high school, it happens often. Hit me, I'll hit you back. Let's see you hit each other harder. <laughs> Oh, I, I played that game with the wrong person too many times. Uh, so, are you allowed to play that game? Are you allowed to say, hit me or hit me? Never do that with someone who's two heads taller than you, by the way. Anyways, so um, so you might think that because your body is in your jurisdiction, you could do whatever you want, whatever you're in the mood of. Of course, there's no reason to hurt yourself, unless you're a young and foolish teenager, but. Is it allowed? Is it permissible? Is it kosher? Is it, is it, is it okay? Not, it's, not, it's not intelligent, but the question tonight is, is it allowed? Are you allowed to hurt your body? We know that when you do something good, there's a good consequence, there's a good result. Do something not good, then there's a negative consequence. In the Torah talks about two kinds of uh, uh, punishment, capital punishment for sins. It talks about whi- whips, whipping, flogging and it talks about the death penalty and the Torah talks about the whipping the Torah says that a person could only be whipped if the court first looks at the body of the person the health the person's health and see if they're able to handle it not only that that you have to further examine him while the whipping is happening to see if he if he's able to handle it no no the ter- is that only rabbinical whipping? What about biblical whipping? The answer is no. Even biblical whipping, the person liable, even the Torah itself says to whip him. The the the, the courts has to see if he can handle it. How much he can handle. But a biblical whipping is worse. In what way? Well, a biblical whipping is not limited to thirty-nine. G- generally, makas mardas is thirty-nine, but either the Torah says the Torah says forty. And the reason we do only thirty-nine is because. Um, The Torah says if you do one extra, even if you you raise your hand against another person, you're called wicked. So therefore, the Torah says, in case there shouldn't be an extra one, do one less. And there's another thing, another qualification of this flogging is that the guy who's flogging has to be super intelligent, not so strong. So besides all these qualifications and uh, making it a little bit less, there's another big thing. What's the purpose of the of, of the flogging in the first place? Even the punishments of Torah are not for the sake of punishment, not, not for the sake of pain. Even the Torah says punishment is not God forbid just to hurt the person. The Torah is called the Torah of kindness. That's the name of the whole Torah. It means every single part of Torah is kindness. Even the Torah says there should be a punishment that also is kindness. And the Torah says, V'nikla your brother, when he is flogged, he is right your your brother is flogged to your eyes Gemara says once you've seen him be flogged once you've seen him be punished you have to look at him which tells you the purpose of the whipping in the first place isn't to hurt the person it's rehabilitative it's to help him come better so unlike an I an Irish American judicial system, where uh, prison is considered the best way to rehabilitate a person, the Torah doesn't subscribe to that. But the Torah's prescription of punishment isn't to hurt; it's just rehabilitative. The Torah, all the punishments of Torah, are. It says in the Talmud that if, even if someone's deserving of kris of kares, if he gets if if he gets whipped, he's no, he's exempt from that punishment. In other words, the purpose of the punishment is one of the hardest things someone who's been to prison is to look at him Is there's a stigma you feel and you're looked at as someone who's been to prison it's very hard to, to reclaim and to feel again that you're a regular person once you've been to prison everyone looks at you oh this guy's, an, uh, guy's a felon he's, a, he's an offender he did this he did that and the Torah it's very hard to, to um, look at this person and say he's your brother but the Torah doesn't have that perspective the Torah says <laughs> The Torah says, when this person is already in the rehabilitative process, you have to look at him as, as your brother. So, what if someone himself decides that he will? It comes to the Jewish court, and he says, "I did this in this wrong this wrong thing, and I deserve this punishment." What does the court do? Can the court whip him by his own admission? He says, "I." Uh, stole us I I did this thing and the wrong I did that thing wrong can the court whip him based upon his own admission anybody know the answer everyone's googling the answer huh <laughs> what's the answer can you can, can he be uh, it's not enough. huh it's not enough. why not you need to have two witnesses, you're right. Well why isn't it not of his own admission? He admits it should be considered the Gemara says if a person admits something he did himself, it's considered like a hundred witnesses. So how come in regards to getting whipped or getting the death penalty, why is it not enough? Why do we say that his own admission is not sufficient? So the Ramam says it's a, it's it's it, the Ramam says that it's not a reason, it's not logical. Ramam says as the Torah says so. You can't explain it. It's it's a the um, this expression of a hundred witnesses. We find this expression in two places in the Talmud. It says, two witnesses are, are like a hundred witnesses." It also says, "One, if a person testifies by himself, it's like a hundred witnesses." So Arabic Kalmanson, or Sheshivan, Shivan Uhaven, he told us why uh, and there's another reason why a person is not believed to incriminate himself. It's not just a decree of the Torah. It's logical. What? Well, it's logic. He says just, just like you're not allowed to kill yourself You're also not allowed To uh, hurt, you hurt your body He says that whipping Getting whipped is like, is like 50% of death Since it's like 50% of death It's half death So just like you're not allowed to kill yourself You're also not allowed to incriminate yourself and get whipped That's what the advice says But the Advaz oh, But the advice leaves us with a lot of questions First of all healthy guy over here, never got whipped. But this guy, this strong guy, he's not going to kill him. Get whipped and he has to show him and he can continue on. Why is the it Adva say it's half like death? And also, we find the Torah does say you're allowed to testify against yourself in many laws. In regards to financial matters, the Torah says you are believed. If we're saying you're not allowed to testify against yourself because you, because your life belongs to Hashem, just like your soul belongs to God, so too your body belongs to God. So your money belongs to God too. So how come you can testify about your finances and say I owe a thousand dollars? The Torah says that's accepted. If you admit you owe a thousand dollars, the Torah says what it, your admission is considered like a hundred witnesses. So how come your testimony about yourself? is only accepted in financial matters and not in cards to capital punishment. It cannot be like the Ravaz is saying it's because it, your, your life belongs to you. It's not life. This is just, this is just your, your body. It's not your life. You're not allowed to kill yourself. Fine, but it's not, not killing yourself. It's true that you don't have jurisdiction over your life, but this is just your body. It's not, it's not killing yourself. So why can't you come to the court and incriminate yourself? So in short, what we did so far is we figured out what the purpose of, of, of the capital punishment of whipping is. It's like all punishments of the Torah, the Torah is called the of kindness, everything in the is kindness, and therefore must have a purpose. Then we discussed various explanations of why uh, you're not allowed to incriminate yourself. Rambam saying that it's a decree of the Torah, and the Radvaz who says not a decree of the Torah, it's logical, and the logic is that you're not allowed to kill yourself and this is considered like half killing yourself, but we left with some questions. So to understand these questions, let's talk about something that we do. We just did a few minutes ago, and some people just did it just now, a bracha. saying a bracha. Why do you say a bracha? What's the meaning of a bracha? The meaning of a bracha, in a simple sense, is to show gratitude to Hashem. You say a bracha, you, say, you thank the Eberster for what you have, that's a bracha, you thank Hashem. But the Gemara says it's more than just thanking Hashem. The Gemara says that it doesn't belong to you. Says in the Torah? The heavens belong to God. The earth belongs to people, man. It's one pasuk. Another pasuk says, "To Hashem belongs the earth and everything in it." So all belongs to God. One pasuk says everything belongs to God. Other pasuk says the heavens belong to God and the earth belongs to man. So which one is it? So the Gemara answers: It depends. Levi says, as the Gemara, before the bracha or after the bracha. Before the bracha belongs to God. After the bracha belongs to you. By the way, the Rebbe gives an incredible insight in this Gemara. When you read the Gemara on the, on, 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 the, on the surface, you think the bracha brings it down. The bracha causes object to be detached from God and come into my, my jurisdiction. The Rebbe says it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. The bracha lifts you up. The heavens belong to God and you're now able to be part of that when you say the bracha. The bracha it, it, it catapults you to be the jurisdiction of the Ebershop, therefore, therefore you could eat it. You're, you're in Hashem's domain. Anyways, so the idea of saying a bracha is that it makes this thing belong to you. It's like the to kohenim. Brachskainim. The Kainim lift you up with the bracha. What are you saying? When the kohenim do the bracha before the, please, yeah. it's the role to elevate everything to God. Ah, okay. So the question is like this: If we have to elevate everything to God, as Yehuda says. So how come when you get your new Tesla there's no bracha? When you have a cup of orange juice there's a bracha, but the Tesla's no bracha. You buy a house, huh? Shechianu, depends which model. <laughs> you, but why is no bracha? You, why is there no bracha on acquiring the Tesla? Why is no bracha? On, just because there's a bracha on a cup of a cup of orange juice? Why is no bracha on acquiring a Tesla? Acquiring a house? So the answer is that your ownership over your property is different to your ownership over your body. Your body is on loan to you from Hashem. That's why the Alter rebbe says that you're not allowed to hit your body. The rebbe says you're not even allowed to pain your body. It's not yours. You only if The body is given to you as a, as a deposit, as a loan. It's not yours in the first place. So it's not only... That, like I said before, the body's in your, it, it, you can't hurt your body because it's like killing your soul. No. The Altar Rebbe says the body doesn't belong to you. It was given on loan to you from Hashem. So in regards to eating and drinking, the Torah says you're allowed to have pleasure through your body by saying Ebracha. In regards to hurting your body, your property is different. Your property the Torah gives you jurisdiction over. It's your property. It's true everything belongs to Hashem. And Hashem can take it back But while you own your property Your property is yours You have ownership of your property In regards to your body It's never yours Your body does not belong to you Your body will always Even while you have jurisdiction over your body it belongs to Hashem It's only considered on loan from Hashem Therefore you can't hurt it And that's why you're believed And the Torah says You're, not, you're believed in regards to financial matters You're not allowed believed in regards to, to Hashem's property It's not yours A whip in your body Killing your body It's not yours It's Hashem's army is the same Army? Yeah, the soldiers, if he tries to kill himself and he survives, they blame him to... to uh, that's what he wanted to say, Hosh-tar, you know? Khoshtar, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. If he tries to kill himself, then what happens? He, he damaged... The, your the body, body. Oh, he, 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 damaged, to the, he army the, the, the army. The army's... Yeah. Very interesting. Wow. He damaged army property. <laughs> and then what happens? Did you try to suicide? Very good. That's that's exactly... Wow, that's a great... That's an incredible example. He gets <laughs> also tattoos, piercing, all that, you don't know to do any no, piercing yeah. or tattoos in the army. No. So we're in the army of Hashem. in the yeah. army of Hashem, you can't touch your body. Okay, so when you make a bracha, you're asking Hashem to have pleasure from the, f- through your body. That's okay, but you're not allowed to hurt it. Everything everything, world Hashem c- could take away, but Hashem doesn't. He, he gives you your property. You're there if we could testify about it. But your body doesn't belong to you. It's only on loan. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is that we should get a, uh, a, a a subscription to the gym. We shouldn't get a subscription to the gym. We should pay more. We should pay less for the gym. Well, what's the conclusion? What, what, what are you coming away with? Every morning, Al Tawba says, "Why have to wash your hands in the morning till Sadaim? Why have to wash your hands? Because your your body, when, you, when your soul goes up to heaven, you go to sleep. So around upon your body, there comes clip, there comes negative energy. Why is negative energy going to your body well, of, of all things, in the world? The answer is because your body is a vessel for holiness Since your body is somewhat, somewhat like, like osmosis Your body holds the Nesham all day So some Kedusha there So all the Ichi Klippas Try to uh, get nourishment from your body at night And therefore you have to wash your hands As soon as you wake up in the morning That's why the Fridic says People wake up in the morning Sometimes the very first thing they do Is they worry Why they worry? Because a Klippa Which is it comes onto the, onto the body, onto the hands Therefore the Fridic says As soon as you get up you have to wash your hands and Ayom Yom it says it says more than that. Not just your body is a vessel for holiness. It says in Ayom Yom even more. It says in Ayom Yom, you cannot imagine imagine how precious a body, a Jewish body, is to God. Even more, as in Tanya, in chapter forty nine, Alter says when we say in, in before Shema, you have chosen us from all nations. What did God choose? It chose the body. In other words, before the Torah was given, the body was a vessel for the soul. The soul would reside in the body. Adam Ravino had a body, which which was a, which was a home for his neshama. After the giving of the Torah, it's not just that your body is a container for your neshama. Your body has intrinsic holiness. God shows your body, which the Rebbe says that affects you in a in a very powerful way. That means when you encounter physical things, just that like God shows you, and His innermost desire is in you and your body. So too, when you encounter when you engage in something physical, although you may be attracted to do it for the wrong reasons, a Jewish body is empowered to to express God's innermost desire. So that when you eat something, you drink something, you do the way Hashem says to do it. You do it with the right intent that Hashem wants it for. Because just like Hashem's desire is in you, so too you're able to also have that same experience in the world that whatever physical thing you're engaging with, you, d- you have Hashem's innermost desire in mind. You have to do it the Hashem wants it done. The way Hashem wants it done. It's very The way show him that to be done You know, it doesn't. There was a pelech Tzadik like that. We just, just eat like this, you know? There was a pelech tzaddik. I, I remember his name. Pelech tzaddik was once told about another pelech tzaddik, <coughs> two, two pelech rebbe's. One was told about the other one, That he's an incredible tzaddik. And the first one's like prove it to me he said when he drinks soup he doesn't lower his head doesn't he doesn't lower his head oh, doesn't doesn't, he keeps his head up he said let me try Listen, I don't know what these preachers are thinking. We're thinking. I, don't know what, I don't know why this is either hard or easier, why this is a litmus test. This is the way a story, it's in Rabbi Zevin's safe for treasury of Hasidic tales. He lifts up the spoon, he lowers his head, he says, okay, I give up. There's something unique about that. Either way, but a Jew is able to, to eat the physical food that he has without lowering his head conceptually, <laughs> meaning without doing it for the wrong reasons. Okay, getting back to my tooth in the month of El, and I, I was thinking everything that happens in the world it's my divine providence. Everything that happens is for a reason. So I was thinking, I was trying to think what message I'm supposed to learn from this this incredible thing that only happens this guy said it never happened in his career. I mean it, it's incredible, it's a very unusual thing. I know skeptical people are thinking, oh yeah yeah, I guess he told you. Anyway, so listen, so what I think what I was thinking was like this. <laughs> Take it from a doctor. Alright. <laughs> so I was thinking like this. There's a postic we're gonna say tomorrow before Shabbat, before Mincha we say they were wayward from the path of their sins. You saw this this. They were wayward from the path of their sins, says the Torah, and they fasted for their sins. Sorry. They were wayward from the path of their iniquity, and they fasted for their sins. The middle Rebbe said that a person should not fast for his sins. He shouldn't. You should not fast. Don't do fast. He says, Why is a person fast? Because he doesn't know. What the route is to the sins? He doesn't know what caused him to sin. He thinks the reason he's sinning is because of the body, and therefore he'll fast and he'll hurt the body, he'll pain the body, and he'll hurt it, and then and then oh, we will solve the problem. an incredible story. I shared it earlier in the suka on WhatsApp. Unbelievable. The I think it was a seiravishan This guy. Uh, he was used to be religious, stopped being religious, and 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 uh, he. Um, he visited the vision Tzarebe, and when he visited him, he drove there, he drove there on Shabbos. So he felt bad, he drove there. so He told the vision Tzarebe, I came here by car. And he's expecting to tell him, how dare you, such a big Avera, such a, such a big sin. And, he, and instead, Yitzhak said to him, my son, come to me how you want and when you want, and he hugged him. And when he hugged him, he said he never he never left. He never, he couldn't leave. He never left. He stayed with him. He never left his whole life. He never left. He said, "He, he said, what, what did this guy want? When he came, he said, I, I drove on showers. What do you want to do? He wanted to to, to, like, to feel bad about it. He wanted him to tell him, shame on you. And then he would like, release the guilt. But instead, he, he held on to him. Come to me however you want, when you want. So similarly, a person might want to release the guilt of the sin by fasting. And it's very painful. Like, like my tooth. It was very painful to, to, uh, uh, to operate on the wrong tooth. It was extremely painful. But it, w- it didn't accomplish anything. Well, the truth is I know about that. I think actually that was really the right tooth. That's my personal opinion. But no one thought. That's a, the first dentist, I think he had a different opinion which tooth it was. So I think actually it was the right tooth. But that's just on the side. Anyways, what's so possible, a person is trying to solve a spiritual condition with the wrong medicine. It doesn't mean he's not trying hard He could try really hard He could be fasting for days and days But Says the, the Rebbe, Why does a person do that? They're wayward They don't know the path of sin They don't know where sin comes from Where does sin come from? Sin comes because a person Throws off the yoke of Hashem Because he throws off the yoke of Hashem So that's why, that's why you make mistakes I saw a Sikha The Friday Rebbe this week The Fridic says Whatever a person does in this world In heaven as well if you're a shamish here, there's shuls in heaven, you're a shamish in heaven. There's one thing he says that, 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 that doesn't get carried over into heaven. is if you do something out of habit, without accepting the yoke of Hashem, without doing it for the sake of Hashem, then does, that, 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 that those myths, those, 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 those prayers don't get transferred. They don't belong there. In short, this is a month of El. A month of El is when you're supposed to greet the king in the field. What does greeting the king in the field mean? That you accept Hashem as your king, making connection with Hashem. Connection with Hashem does mean you hurt your, 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 your body. It doesn't mean that you to focus on what what the relationship is. The connection with Hashem. So it's possible to do incredibly hard things, but it doesn't make you any closer. And it could be something very gishmak and enjoyable and lazat. and yet and that and that makes you connected. What do we have to do with matzavel? Greet the king in the field. What does greeting the king mean? To inspire ourselves to one be connected to connect Hashem, to serve Hashem. That, that's what it's about. Specifically, checking the mezuzas, adding the teruah, adding staka. With tshuva and geula, realizing who you are—that's what. That's how you do it. But the thing, the thing, of is not about. It's not about hurting your body. It's about making connection. And that's what That's I just want to share tonight. Any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchini. All right. Okay.